He knows it doesn't matter what's under a hood. The only thing that matters is who's behind the wheel. You know, I think I figured it out. What's that? Rule number three. Which is? There are no rules. I don't want you to pick. I want you to learn. Learn what? Dominic Toretto just went rogue. Went rogue. Went rogue. Went rogue. Hmm. But you know what? Mario needs to save a completely celibate princess, and Batman doesn't need. <laughs> what a fucking, what a conversation that's been. I can't believe yeah, they right. didn't let him do it. And I guess my biggest reason is because there's so much implied sex in Batman media, and then straight up sex in certain Batman media, that it just feels like why, why stop the buck at letting it happen in an adult animated cartoon well especially because like the tenor of that oh, show is yeah. so yes. adult like harley harley quinn is great but that is not a children's i show. haven't watched that much of it but what i've watched it, i was like oh this is very adult yeah yes extra and that, so when they said that i was like yeah when i was like first three i was like that seems in line with the show and they was like no we can't because we sell toys i'm like behold the fuck up Telltale Batman, Batman fucks Catwoman. Yep. You think I wouldn't buy a toy of Batman eating uh, Batwoman's pussy? I would absolutely buy a toy of Batwoman eating or Batman eating pussy. Did you see the thing that was like, why that do you shit. think the bottom half of his cow is missing <laughs> if, if he doesn't if he doesn't partake in cunnilingus? He don't eat the box. I mean, did you see what Zack Snyder today tweeted a picture of Batman eating pussy? Wait, what? A cat woman. Look at Zack Snyder's Twitter. Bro, I'm right doing now. it. I just, I gotta know now. <laughs> I think it's the whole point of him liking Catwoman. Like, literally, that's the whole back and forth. All the women he really likes are, like, strong women. Like, dude, tell yeah. y'all, ghoul. Dude, she would be she would be doming him all day long. Oh yeah, absolutely. Talia fucks Batman, <laughs> not the other way around. This happens on my time, Batman. Then you get that same scene every time she wants to go to bed of her death in Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> uh, that that fucking ugh. And I just still can't get over the how the Bat voice got worse with every movie. Like, dude, in Batman Begins, he's just like this, like oh. Hey, I have a little gruff on my voice. And then the yeah. second movie, he's like, oh, hey, no. and then the th- third movie, he's just like, oh, no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> I'm saving from the sewer. Yeah, dude, I'm telling you, that scene whenever Anne Hathaway, oh, have you seen the movie? Yeah. Okay, when Anne Hathaway is getting on like the little fucking motorcycle and she's going to ride off but like bruce is talking or i guess batman's talking to her and he and i can't even remember what he says because i only, i don't even think i could understand it when i was watching the movie and it was just and i was like how is Anne hathaway not fucking laughing right now yeah he uh and she didn't even crack like, a smile talks like vin diesel and worse he does talk worse oh boy all right speaking of vin diesel talking all low and broody i'm joined by chris figs this week as we continue our road to fast nine here on midweek matinee with the fate of the furious which i want to say quickly 
that after watching this movie, I can conclude that the only reason they named it this is because they wanted a word that kind of sounded like eight in the title. <laughs> and then they wanted to make sure that somebody in the movie said the word fate literally one time so that we can make this name work. <laughs> that's all they needed, man, was the one fate. That's true. The one Chris, fate to rule them all. How are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing well. How are you, Brett? I am okay. I'm tired. But, you know, I watched what I'm going to go ahead and spoil for the, the intro for me. I thought that eight is a really fun movie. So, okay, good. There you are. So opening thoughts on the movie is that you had a good time with it. I had a great time with it. Yes. Great time. Okay. It's going to get way more interesting than from there because this movie does a lot. (laughs) Does do a lot. (laughs) That I want to talk about because it's not even that I think of it in a bad way. I just think this movie is a lot like five in that it changes my expect or it changes the way I view certain characters and the way these movies want to present themselves pretty drastically in comparison to the ones before it. Um, so we'll get into that in the long run, but I mean, did you have, I guess as a quick thing, you know, one of the things that caught me about last week's episode, anybody who listened is that for furious seven, I felt like the whole episode and maybe it's just because of the nature of doing a podcast and you're kind of just looking at things that you didn't like as much so you can voice them. But I remember feeling like it was odd that you gave it such high acclaim at the end when I didn't feel like that matched what you said throughout the episode. So yeah. do you feel like it's going to be a similar thing here? No. No. Interesting. And I only asked because 7 was, whenever we did our most recent rating, 7 was pretty high up there, was it not? Yeah, it's not number one. That's what I thought. Number one. All right. Well, listeners, um, you guys out there, whoever you are, uh, (laughs) this is going to be an interesting time. I want to hear where this one lands. um, And if I feel like I'm I'm surprised and kind of side knocked out, you know, (laughs) from from what you say at the end versus what you say during the episode. Um, But I think the first thing I'm going to start with is that uh, clearly the the notable surprise celebrity intro here is Charlize Theron in this movie. And I'm not positive that there was any other big name actor pop in that I was aware of outside of maybe Deckard's mom. But I don't know that actress. So it it wasn't like, oh, that's a big one they tried bringing in. I completely believe it's it's possible. It's a pretty big actress. That is Helen Mirren. Oh, that's Helen Mirren? Yep. The one that they talk about in the office, if she was pregnant, she'd be sexy? Uh, yes. Why that's what comes to my mind when I hear Helen (laughs) Mirren is beyond me, but I don't see it. (laughs) Hey, you know, you never know. Hey, you know what? I don't, I don't, uh, you know, I don't shame for kinks, whatever it is that you're into. Elderly. I'm down for it. Yeah, whatever it is that you're into, man. Or not saying you, but anybody. Uh, but all right, starting off with the movie, uh, first thing that we see is the opening. And it's interesting for a movie that does so much wild crap that the opening is a pretty at initial starting point. Everything's like calm, walking through Cuba, having a good time, smiling, talking to all the Cubans. And then, uh-oh, here's my nephew 
and our cousin, whatever he was. <laughs> and then suddenly we're set up to um, Dom being in what seems like a pretty simple race. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty simple race is definitely a way you can describe that at the beginning this is what it feels like (laughs) yeah what it becomes is interesting because i want to read you my notes the way i did them because i because it's just so funny how it kind of washed over me (laughs) so first thing I said, I liked that the movie, because I'm just trying to keep up. So I try to do it as quick as I can. So I liked that the movie starts off being about a race. Nice way to keep it simple at the start and feel in line with the movie's racing origins. Followed quickly by always the bullshit turn your will into your opponent when you start to lose tactic hack job racers. <laughs> quickly, t- and then my next note quickly turns from reasonable to ridiculous as the series is to do. <laughs> <laughs> And then lastly, but my favorite part is after all of the hectic everything about the beginning, I put these my last two notes. First is that after Dom almost dies, yeah, <laughs> arguably, she gives like this Letty gives this like super serious look to Dom. And then Dom kind of does like the leave it to beaver husband shrug. And then Letty's just like, oh, Dom, like, <laughs> like an old suburban sitcom mom. Yeah. <laughs> And my last notice, his cousin or whatever the hell it is, didn't learn a damn thing. <laughs> right. He just got a better car out of the deal. <laughs> it, it's such a, a crazy, weird opening. And yet somehow it works. <laughs> Dude, I love the opening. It's I so, thought that was awesome. It's so good and, and <clears throat> way over the top and ridiculous, which I guess starts what's going to be a running theme for me throughout this episode. All of the movies, as you've been saying, feel like the closest you're going to get to basically them being driving superheroes. Yeah. This is the first movie where I just flat out 100% legitimately think that Dom, more than anyone else, is Is just a superhero. superhero. Like my dumb joke about him actually, like the reveal of his origin is going to be that his father or mother or whatever the reason she wasn't the picture whatever it be is because she had sold her kids out to be tested on and this is why dom is like crazy good at everything and does literally impossible things because like lifting the car in the last movie <laughs> fine yeah. that, that's one thing but then the majority of this movie i'm just like what <laughs> <laughs> yep so starting point there that's a big thing for me that i think is where i uh, the shift of this movie is it's so focused on vin diesel's dom which should be with what's going on makes sense it's a good use of the character and kind of subverting expectation kind of thing but i just feel like across the entire movie he's literally a superhero i mean do you feel like this is a notable change do you agree with me on that or do you feel a little different about that no, I mean, this is definitely the most superhero-ish of them all. But I've always felt this way, you know? Yeah. Like, well, and I started to agree with, with you. I think five is like the little seedling. And then yeah. it kind of comes into bloom in six. And then it's just full-blown out there in seven. Or I say that. It's it's really full-blown out there in this one. But it's it's been small build-ups to this one to where all of those still felt like those kinds of movies. 
I think that there's a decent argument that this is just a Marvel movie, literally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, dude, I got to be honest. Like, even The Rock especially, or I'm sorry, Hobbs, some of the stuff he does in this movie, like the uh, hanging out the car and diverting a torpedo with his bare hands. <laughs> yes. It's a superhero movie. And I get this. that all of this is still trying to be rooted in, like, we'll turn the wheel and we're just using physics, but every bit of this is... Oh... It's so no. crazy. <laughs> Even if all of it makes sense scientifically, normal people can't do any of that. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Hobbes, because we see him fairly early on in the movie as well, um, I thought it was interesting that we finally learned that Hobbes' first name is Luke, unless that's been yeah. real, revealed in the last movies, and I was blind to it well i mean giselle was named giselle in all her movies and they only told us that once so (laughs) it makes sense that you wouldn't know that true just because it's kind of how it goes so really before we get too far ahead of ourselves we we see the opening thing which is just the setup dom and letty being so happy and then it it starts the first crux of the movie letty asking dom why they don't have a kid yet and dom kind of I don't want to say weasels out of it, but it's like it doesn't really get resolved before cutting to the next day. Yeah. Do and you want a kid? <laughs> I I did like the looking, like uh, lifting the cover. And she's like, I'm not pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. Uh, and she's like, but we haven't been asking the question. I was like, what's the question? Are you like, do you want to have a baby? Because I feel like y'all have been hitting raw this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's like, I don't believe that you guys aren't trying. So what's the problem here? Like, maybe you're not trying so much as you're definitely not trying to prevent it. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But, uh, you know, we kind of break from that, and then we get introduced to Charlize Theron's Theron's cipher. Yes, we do. (laughs) Yes, we do. Why do you say it that way, Chris? Dude, Charlize Theron is the hottest woman i've ever seen in my life she is very pretty and it's interesting because for any of our listeners who watch arrested development i've been re-watching it and mm-hmm. when i went to watch this movie i happen to be on season three right now and i could not watch this movie without first being like charlie Sarah is very pretty of course but in arrested development her whole character this is right after she got her oscar or whatever it was for playing um in monster yep uh, and anyway, she plays a British girl who is mentally challenged, but no. And one of the guys from the show gets with her, and it's about a dysfunctional family. And he's so narcissistic about everything that he doesn't realize that she's mentally challenged because he thinks it's just like cultural differences and seeing what he wants to see in her and everything. Hmm. Yeah. And so there's a bunch of jokes around it, like. They think at one point he thinks that she's a spy because there's apparently a mole looking into his company that's going by the name of Mr. F. And then he, he's, and you know, they're in a relationship. He looks down at her, rela- her bracelet and it says MR space F on it. Mm-hmm. And there's a little music cue every time where there's something that looks suspicious like Mr. F. It's, <laughs> it's fantastic, but I could not take this movie even remotely serious until probably about halfway through where Charlie Theron's cipher actually starts doing like crazy shit. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> this is just a murderer. 
<laughs> yeah, she's just a bad, bad dude. Yeah, so uh, it was interesting going into that. But, uh, yeah, if you haven't watched Arrested Development, it's very good. I suggest it. I do like Arrested Development. So good. Love it so much. Yeah. Anyway, um, so we go into Charlie's cipher as we come to eventually know her her game as she wants to introduce it which sounds like the weirdest saw opening ever um, <laughs> and how do you feel about that i mean because i thought it was good use of not letting you in on the full picture so that you were along for the ride of trying to understand why dom was in the position he was yeah um i don't know i thought it was interesting i don't necessarily know that they needed to keep it a secret for very long as long as they did yeah, but, yeah, they kept it longer than I expected. Yeah, it was like you find out halfway through the movie that she has Elena and his son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but for the most part, I like I understood it. I was like, this is a good setup for her. Yeah, I mean, how, I guess for me, there is that idea of like a little bit of build up and payoff. But like you said, I guess I didn't expect it to be so far into the movie because i do feel like you want to have that thing of where at least the very first job that dom does you don't want to understand it you you want to be confused and you want to see him have that moment where he ends up you know cypher comes over and kisses him and he doesn't push her away because you have that thing of like what the fuck is it that she has on him which you already have but it just continues to grow as he's looking dead at letty in the eye (laughs) and then that happens yeah um that seems really weird to me but she does make a point of like you could have stopped me and you didn't but yeah that was one of those ones where i was like i don't really understand what this does for the movie but sure uh, do I mean, you do you think it was just vin diesel and the like working on the script as a producer and being like i really <laughs> want to kiss charlie Theron." <laughs> i hope it is because that would actually kind of make me okay with it all <laughs> like Be listen like guys is there any way that you think you could work in a dom and, and cypher kiss scene yeah i want to make out with charlotte listen i'm i'm not gonna sit here and say he's wrong so <laughs> if he did that for no, that no, reason no, chris hey think about it, this man hey we're in the me too era you can't uh, abuse your power like that <laughs> you're not wrong <laughs> I'm not, but at the same time, it really messes with my dumb joke that I don't believe for a one second. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Hashtag cancel us. <laughs> Shut down the show. Um, <clears throat> all right. Um, anyway, so going on from there, we kind of have that little setup before we cut over to Hobbs and what is probably one of the greatest speeches of the movie yeah uh, <laughs> where i called it immediately though because i was like they spent they spent so much time setting up this daughter in the last movie that they just completely have uh, avoided the rest of these films <laughs> so i like that idea and then as soon as you kind of see him i was and i was like wait a minute this is a kid's soccer game or, or maybe it's not soccer but i'm pretty sure it's soccer it's exactly what it was <laughs> it was soccer it was definitely soccer <clears throat> red dragons versus the pink unicorns i believe that's correct and uh, my wife was watching with us and we're just like she's like oh is that like a a hawaiian thing and i was like i don't think that the rock's hawaiian i'm pretty sure he's samoan <laughs> yeah he's samoan that that freaking uh scene of them all chanting in Samoan. What the fuck is going on here? Well, I loved it because you could, dude, first of all, some of those kids are so into it that it sold the scene. Like, you just see the look on their faces. Like, whoever these kid actors are, they're into this. 
this is where it's at for them. And I love that the little girls and the pink unicorns are just like staring uh, at him and then the one really, girl's like i don't want to play anymore yes i was about to mention her i was like i really liked that one girl who's like i don't I, i'm good here i think i'm going home <laughs> would have been funnier if she had just walked away but still. i don't know i kind of like that at least one of them said something no i just meant like she said that line and then left the field <laughs> Oh yeah, like it literally showed her. Like I would have appreciated the extra time of like her getting into her mom's van, <laughs> just shaking her head. Her mom's like, "Okay, honey." <laughs> Which leads us to all the soccer moms being there, and the guy who walks up and he's like, yeah. "Oh, who are they?" It's like, "Oh, it's just the the moms coming out to watch the kids." <laughs> yeah, looks like there's more moms than kids. <laughs> I will say while we're comparing it to Marvel, that guy reminded me of a uh, one Phil Coulson. Oh yeah. Yeah. So it's 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 all here. The my joke has become manifest. <laughs> Did you know that <laughs> going into this? No, or? I've I've actually never seen this one before today. Okay. Interesting. So you just you called it. That's what I happened. Knew, yes. You, you, I knew you, that uh <laughs> these were Marvel movies. You read the tea leaves. You saw oh, where it was course. going. Yeah. I'm very uh very smart. <laughs> I, I've read my I've seen my Marvel movies. I can always well, tell. Another thing that this sets up, because right so far the movie is doing what I think any good movie should, and, and I, that sounds crazy. I'm sure there's people who are like, these movies are just fun. Trying to look at them for more is dumb, but I feel like even action movies should just try and follow general storytelling of like, okay, your first act is going to be setting everything up. Middle act is going to be your tension or you know, kind of tension points building, and then your climax is going to be breaking that tension. Um, but and then resolving some of the things to set up and one of the things i like is that you know first scene you have the well why don't we have a baby all right and then that ends up coming off and paying off into the reveal that dom has a kid we have the kid looking at her dad uh, hobbs and being like daddy's got to go to work and he says yep and then it just goes on from there and eventually we have that moment where he has the opportunity to go back and you know already that he's not going to because his daughter wants you know, he wants to spend more time with his daughter. Those little payoffs and setups are nice, and I feel like they yep. give you they give the ends of movies like this the resolve that you want because it's like ah we're paying off on that one thing that we finally that we actually put a little time into. Um, the we're gonna get to it in a, <laughs> not too long from now because this is realistically where we see Dom go rogue and then head off with the EMP. Yeah. Whenever we see them in Berlin, and then we get to Hobbs being in prison, and yes. that also brings back Kurt Russell's Mister Nobody. Great, I love him. And it brings back new character. I don't know the actor at all, so he might have been a big name, but I doubt it. Of I don't think so. Who are uh, comic relief Roman declares to be Little Nobody? Yeah, I, I do like Little Nobody a lot. <laughs> little nobody is he reminds me of brian in the first movie where he's like too eager for everything so you see him make rookie mistakes because he's not quite sure of what he's supposed to be doing yet yeah <laughs> but he's trying to fit in yeah he's like i can race these cars and just can't avoid the biggest uh roadblock he could he they find well it's like Jesus. every little thing it ends up being that he calls it wrong until you you, you see his little mini arc right you see him yeah. go from completely incompetent to like mildly competent but still kind of shaken up to finally being like now he is literally missed like mr nobody's mini me which is nice yes uh, i did uh, 
I did like the scene with the rock. Like, if you're going to do it for anybody, do it for your daughter. Mr. Nobody just, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> There's so Why many things I like about that scene because of the fact that it shows that that entire time Hobbs was in control of the situation. Like, yeah, with him ripping the, the handcuffs off. Yeah. It's like it See, was always up to him to let himself go. And I feel like that plays so well into the the little short arc of Mr. Nobody being like, hey, we can get you out of this. And him being like, no, I'm, I'm going to get out my way, <laughs> the yeah. right way. No, absolutely. Reminds <laughs> me of that scene in uh, Man of Steel where they have Superman in the interrogation room. He's just like, he just casually rips his hands out of the uh, handcuffs. It's like, <laughs> yeah. I, you, can't, you can't keep me here. Yeah, it's like, I just want you to know this entire time I've only been here because I was willing. Right. I've allowed myself to be arrested. (laughs) Um, But one of the things that doesn't quite get paid off, though I I get it because it's one of those subversion of expectations, is the hate between Shaw and Hobbs and all the little, you know, bad-mouthing. There's still a part of me that wanted to see them, like, even if it was just, like, bro fight to see who wins – at the end mm. of the movie. I kind of just wished that that was a thing that happened. Yeah, I wouldn't have minded. I do like that, like, halfway through the movie, you get them like, we're not really fighting anymore, are we? <laughs> yeah. Well, like, the little things where whenever he, they're, like, helping each other lift up the transmissions and everything, when they're building out the cars midway through the movie or whatever, and you get that little line where he's like, uh, I'm going to shove your teeth so far up your ass or whatever that you're going to be having to shit, <laughs> stick a toothbrush, <laughs> whatever it is. It's a dumb brush. line, yeah. Uh and anyway, and then you kind of see Shaw look back at Hobbs, and at first it looks like a mean bug before he actually kind of like cracks a laugh. <laughs> because it's like, a, I guess it's like a respect for how good they are at bad mouthing each other. Yeah. Which leads me to an interesting thing here. This introduces Shaw back into the movie, which my first real problem with this movie. Though okay. I think it's supposed to be explained away. So it's not a huge problem. I think it's supposed to be explained away because of Mr. Nobody. I think that was part of the thing all along. But my first thing whenever I saw Shaw right across, I was like, so they took Shaw out of like the crazy isolation chamber that they put him in at the end of the last movie? Yeah, well, he he was in the same... Uh, you're talking Deckard, right? Not Owen? Yeah, I'm talking I'm, Deckard. Because, you know, at the end of Seven, we see him walk down a big corridor of no cells until he gets to the end cell and it's one that's got like, everything to where you can't break out of it you know yeah <clears throat> it's basically like well, a little isolation chamber yeah well they make it seem like he's in the same cell which i guess might be a problem with the movie more than you know your interpretation maybe though i, I mean i think it's pretty obvious view but it's also because we literally just watched the last movie well it, it would be but they have that conversation where in seven Hobbs is like, you know, start digging. There's 30 feet of concrete and steel. Yeah. And then Shaw says the so line I'm back told. to him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, arguably, though, I mean, I don't know. It's just, it was weird. Now, clearly, it it has to be written that way for two things for our eventual buddy up, Hobbs and Shaw. <laughs> yeah. And of course, for getting Shaw involved in this film at all. Which I like because I'm going to take this as a second to pause and talk about Shaw coming into this movie in a very different way, Deckard rather, and not just Owen, but both of them in the long run, but specifically Deckard coming into this movie in a very different way than he was in Seven. I had a lot of complaints with the way they handled him in Seven, and I thought he was kind of just uh, always around, but never really making sense. Like It was a very odd use of a villain just to basically have a supervillain. 
And yeah, I think he wasn't I'll, scary in the movie. In seven. Exactly, but I think that there's something great about this one where it kind of let the things I do like about Jason Statham, because I do tend to like his movies, it kind of let those shine in a way that he felt... I don't know. It wasn't stoic, but he just didn't feel like Jason Statham even playing a character in his thing. It's weird. I feel like Deckard in the last movie and Deckard in this movie are almost two completely different characters. I can see that. Yeah, well, I think he doesn't suffer... Because that was my big complaint with him in the last movie, right? Was that he suffered by being uh, defeated at every turn because the movie needed our heroes to win. Yeah. Uh, And I like he's better in this movie because he doesn't need to beat the heroes. Yeah. yeah. La Familia. So, but like you said, the weird thing here is that our heroes in this movie are supposed to lose at every turn until the end. And they do, which makes Cypher feel like a far more formidable enemy, which I know she's supposed to, because this happens afterwards. And like I've said, you have to escalate. And if she's not more of a threat feel, than Shaw, then they've done something wrong, which the series has done something wrong because up until this point, Braga, the you know Owen Shaw and Deckard Shaw, none of them felt as real of a villain as Carter Verone. No, and now we have Cipher, who I think may be the actual first person who feels as cold and as ruthless and as kind of scary as Carter Verone. Yeah, Cipher felt scarier because you see her power just the fact that she can keep Dom there Mm -hmm. but then she's at every point she's terrifying that scene Mm -hmm. when Elena dies was like oh Cypher's fucked man like her just just trying to calm the baby down as his mother's just getting two shots to the head yeah and what a weird way to show that too like the weird like it's like a reverb that was on her like it was really yeah. brought to the forefront. Uh, I was, we'll get there because there's a lot about the way they handle the baby in this movie that just had me fucking rolling. But we'll it's talk about that in the long my run. My favorite character, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, Shaw coming to this movie, I think he feels like a completely different character. I think he needed to because I think bringing Shaw in the way he was in the last movie into this movie would have been so boring and felt dumb. Um, but the big thing is, is he's a he's more of a big mouth in this movie and I don't feel like he was in the last like the most you hear him really lip off in the last movie is literally just the very opening scene when he's inside of um, DSS yeah well I I don't know I guess he's just in the last movie he was trying to intimidate them and I think in this one like despite what he's the big game he talks I think he became friends with all these people which I think is kind of weird Oh, I think so too. But I mean, I, I get the, the movie, point. Right? Yeah, I just think the movie handles his relationship with them really weirdly. Well, but because it brings in right, we're not clearly we're not there. But I, we're going to kind of talk about the movie in an open way anyway. At the ending, whenever he comes back and he's talking to Dom, he says, "How'd you know I'd do it?" Yeah. And I guess that's the other Dom superpower is the power to rub off family and friendship on everyone. <laughs> well, I will the movie does the series does see that because the whole thing with the last movie is like uh you know, you went after my brother kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. You I know. mean 
I get it. You didn't even kill him. You happened to maim him and because he fell out of a plane with his own bad plan and I'm going to come kill you all, you know? Yeah, for sure. But I like Shaw much more in this movie and I think that his character is better used as an anti-hero than, which is arguably what the whole group is, but he definitely has the most anti-hero tendencies. <laughs> yeah. Him and they him are and Owen. all, all yeah. vigilantes in a way. Yeah, but uh, I see. But I guess it's just the same thing. We've gotten to see them across several movies do the right thing for the larger population, even if they're constantly killing people. True. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. The entirety of the safe scene, I'm like, yeah, there was casualties galore with that one of people who had zero to do with the situation. Hundreds of casualties. Yeah. There's no way that no one died in that. <laughs> no. They murdered a lot of people that day. Absolutely. Um, which also is interesting because this movie kind of brings us our first point blank, not implied death, I feel like, but we'll get there. Um, so picking up from us getting into the Shaw situation where we're now everybody's together, we have Mr. Nobody pulling in with little nobody and kind of starting everything going on inside of, <clears throat> excuse me. You're good. Um, so, Basically, what's going on is we have them inside of their little thing so that they can set up to figure out how they're going to track Dom and make sure that everybody's down to do everything together. And we get the whole team together, sans Dom, as would be the case. God's eye starts working. They have to use it backwards, of course, so that you have that tie to the last movie. And then, bam, we're to the scene you were talking about where Dom and Cypher break in to Mr. Nobody's new place steal God's eye from their system so that they can't use it and so that they can use it to benefit them. Um, and that's also kind of where it, the, the real seed is completely grown in the, in the group of something's not right with Dom. And it's more than, you know, the, the aftermath of seeing the wreck from Hobbs. So, I mean, I felt like that scene was weird because I kind of wanted to... I guess it would have made the movie longer, but it felt weird that we didn't get to really key in on anyone else's re- like response to that. It was hyper-focused on Letty and Dom yeah. and Cypher. Do you think that was for the best? or I mean, because I guess the movie's really trying to key in on this family and the love that Dom shares for Letty because Letty spoke him back to life in the last movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she force-healed him. Yeah. yeah um... I don't know. I think the only reaction that mattered was Letty's. So why waste time on anything else? Yeah. I guess. Uh, Yeah. Because I think that movie, that move, even though I said it didn't really make too much sense, it is the move that shows Letty, whether true or not, that Dom is fully rogue. So. Yeah. That's, that's, I guess that's why we need to see her react and be like, oh, I was wrong. Let's go get him, you know? Well, yeah, but it's still weird because, like, you know, and it's good because it carries throughout the movie of this thing where Letty never lets him go. And she's always like, you know, she doesn't understand it, but she knows that he's never going to, like, you know, when she goes and grabs the suitcase and then starts to run, it's like with her knowing, oh, he's not going to kill me. And then whenever the guy goes to pull the gun on her, it's again Dom looking and affirming what she already knew to be true by saying, are you willing to die <coughs> for the case by shooting her? Because if you shoot her, you're going to go through me kind of thing. Um, yeah. 
which arguably, literally, that entire move leads us to Elena, which we can kind of... We've, we've basically spoiled it here, but Elena is on the plane. That is what was on the tape. <laughs> <laughs> There's so, I'm tired of these motherfucking Elenas on this motherfucking plane. <laughs> oh. And that's where we what learn about the baby and everything else. Um, so, yeah, but the whole scene that we're just talking about where the New York uh, nuke codes that they're trying to get from the Russian ambassador, yeah. everything that happens there, which is a lot of cool scenes we can definitely talk about in a second, um, but a lot of it comes down to that, that scene of getting away with the code, but also that, that moment where Letty gets to affirm whether or not Dom is who he, she thinks he is, and it's affirmed. But at the same time, that move from Dom is exactly why Elena dies. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Uh, and that's kind of interesting because it does play into the fact that in the long run, Letty will play out as the 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 parent, the the mother figure for this little kid. Yeah, and I, I do give I do them think that it's, family. I do think it's funny that uh, they had to get Tom's love interest out of the series so badly that they just had her taken hostage and murdered on a plane. See. I want to talk about that for a second because I thought yeah. the whole Elena thing. I get what they tried to do, and it makes sense because Dom thought Elena. I mean, Dom thought Letty was dead, so he's doing his thing. It's not crazy to think. And also, if if Dom was hitting Elena raw, again, I'm telling you, he was hitting Letty raw. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. So yeah, um, it's not that it doesn't make sense. I completely buy it. It's. I thought it was interesting for them to come back to it because I guess they did it because it's the only way that Dom could have had a baby that could have been used in a way to pit Dom against everyone else. Yeah, I think that was really their only option. Like, they wanted it to be Dom against the team. How do you write that? So it's <clears> now <throat> we're going we're gonna to write this situation so that the basic premise we want can be set in stone. Exactly. I think that's really the best thing the best way um i don't know i don't i don't think they handled it badly i don't think it makes sense to me too it makes sense to me honestly so i was kind of fine with it yeah i was too it's just interesting seeing her come back though she was even in the last movie so it's not like she's necessarily been gone she just didn't necessarily play a pivotal part in the last couple of movies but that's just kind of where we are um so new york we've already kind of talked about the end of it but everything else leading up to it is really important because it kind of starts to pull in some of these again you're getting that behind the scenes look where you don't understand exactly what's happening but you're getting little vague hints you see dom go meet with someone who we don't know though i immediately called that it had to have been shaw's mother (laughs) um were you able i mean did you call that pretty easily no i thought i missed something honestly with that really because it because yeah. it, it felt so out of the blue yeah well it was one of those things where i've seen a couple of james bond movies right and i thought in my head it was like i think james bond called m mum too so to me it was just a british thing <laughs> yeah so i didn't even think that he would she would be shaw's mother yeah i guess i thought it because i was like who would he be trying to use and she even says you've taken so much from me and he's like yeah but uh and she's like why would i help you and he says well i can give something back to you and I was like, okay, there's got to be something Shaw-related. I mean, it has to be. And so it kind of played out from there to where it made sense to me that it was. I'm not surprised that you weren't immediately able to pick it up. 
But I think for me, I've not even watched that many James Bond movies, but this <laughs> this movie reeks of it. <laughs> it does. Uh, but yeah, so that kind of starts everything. It starts the... Uh, I'm not going to say happenstance, because the movie eventually shows you that it wasn't happenstance. It was a bunch of, oh, apparently Dom made a bunch of calls we didn't get to see. <laughs> yeah. But... All of New York happens where Dom stalls out the car by hitting his little button he has specially put in so that he can pretend the engine's having problems. He pulls the car up just enough to where it's in the camera's blind spot if he opens the hood, which feels really fucking convenient. In the moment, it definitely does. And then we keep kind of going from there, and it does feel weird, but everything happens, and then all hell breaks loose as this movie kind of does something that the last movie did, which I liked, where it kind of looks... At, <clears throat> excuse me. You're good. It looks at like the fears of tech and how it can be used to exploit us to our detriment in the same way the last movie did with God's Eye and now doing it in this movie where we get to see at a time where there wasn't near as many electric cars and self-driving really wasn't as much of a thing. We get to see this kind of be like, well, self-driving cars, what's to stop somebody from breaking in and having your car do things you don't want it to do? And here this movie looks directly at that what if. Yeah, I loved that scene, though, with all the cars just piling in and going after everyone. Yeah, the idea of like all the cars just literally, like even from every tunnelway, just funneling into the same street. It kind of looked like watching Days Gone's horde system, but with cars. <laughs> <laughs> I can so, see that, yeah. I guess World War Z with cars, because I didn't watch that movie. <laughs> but <laughs> whatever, we're going to call it that. Um, yeah, that scene's super fun. I mean, everything leading up to it, though it also brings in the thing of where there's that part where the cars are going, the ambassador's clearly on like what the hell's going on moment now, and the ambassador has one of the people in his car just open up fire on all these cars that, as far as we could tell, still have people in them. Yeah, I thought that exact same thing, actually. It's uh, like, oh, they're just, like, going and killing everyone. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it was it was weird, but I got it. You know, I understand. So, um, And the weird thing about the New York scenes is it felt so much like the, a Marvel movie today, but I don't know if it's because Marvel movies take place in New York fairly often. <laughs> like, we get to see that part. Uh, but that felt very much to me like a Marvel movie, and it kind of even made me think of what I'm seeing from, like, the Black Widow ta- uh, trailers that are going out now. It just yeah. felt very superhero-y in a weird way. It's almost like we're watching a superhero movie where it's it's a movie where the majority of the movie it's the bad guy winning. Which yeah. I guess is arguably what the entirety of Avengers like. This is basically the racing version of of, <laughs> uh, of Avengers: Infinity War, where Dom yeah. is Dom is Thanos. <laughs> I would watch that movie with Vin Diesel as Thanos. I know you would. <laughs> oh my god! But it definitely oh, yeah. feels like that. Like every bit of what's going cool. on is so ridiculous, and in every step they think they've got him, and it's just like all the scenes in, in Infinity War where it's like, ah, we may have him, and then he's just like, nope, bam. <laughs> <laughs> so that scene was really cool. Um, the the scene where they kind of surround him while he's in the uh, the GTX, which is dude, what a sweet car that Plymouth GTX. Um, yeah, I like it when they're trying to kind of put the cables into him and it creates that weird tension where they're trying to get him like pulled in all directions yeah. <laughs> it was weird i mean 
it was cool because it does like it really instills how good dom is and i think that that's the thing this movie goes over the top to explain to you just how above the rest <laughs> of the team dom is yeah it does it it yeah they really do kind of prove that like dom is the king of the castle king of the castle king you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah. that is dom without dom there is no team like Which, yeah like the team is there but clearly they don't function nearly as well without dom uh, and even at the end everything that they really end up accomplishing is because of dom his his singular plan put into yeah, place yeah. that plays out perfectly again it, it's weird because it starts to be like by the end of the movie you remember how whenever we did fast four yes that i said that it felt super weird to me that they had vin diesel as basically a genius of like a sherlock yeah it, where the car's flipping he's like oh the car would have flipped this trajectory and then this is this oil it felt stupid at the moment but in hindsight with this movie i'm like i guess he is a fucking genius yeah he just is very clearly better at this than everyone else it's so like I, I guess you can tell me that i'll believe you for now well i mean like nowhere in any of the other movies has anything happened to make me not believe that he's capable of these things that's a fair point you're just at this point you're just like ramming it into my head of like oh yeah he's that much better than literally the rest of everyone else <laughs> um though there's a lot of parts in that that i really like so you know when they first when he first starts driving off before they start shooting the hooks into him and all of the crew minus dom are blocking dom's path um at the end of where the the intersection is and mm -hmm. they're all kind of holding because they know that dom can't get out and then i love that you still see that little um that little nobody kind of being a rook because he's the one that fucks up and creates the opening yeah and i love that scene of where everyone else is like hey it's a trap and he just he takes the bait yeah he's like what are you doing yeah, like, yeah. i think letty says it yeah exactly so it's i like that because it continues to kind of go towards building his arc throughout everything that's going on and it gets to happen in like a real i think i feel like everyone's arc in this movie feels like it's happening without being beaten over your head it's happening within everything and that's good it is yes completely agree there so we leave new york everything's done we know that elena is dead because of this Rhodes fella and dom now has what is clearly for the majority of this movie when the baby's not been the focus of the scene a cgi baby doll uh dude there's some scenes that i was and i don't know if it's I, I don't know if it's my tv or what if it looked like this in theaters i was cracking up holy shit there's a scene where immediately after the baby is like introduced and Elena's talking to him or whatever, and then it pulls mm -hmm. out and then they're about to close the door. You see Elena holding the baby and it's clearly just like a, an emotionless, non-moving baby doll that's bald <laughs> yep. after you were showing me a baby <laughs> with a bunch of hair. And Full I was hair. laughing so hard because I thought about it. I was like, something doesn't look right about this baby. Then that happened. I said, I see what's happening. There's a baby doll. And then whenever they need the baby to be in the thing, they're CGIing this baby to life and making him look like Vin Diesel. <laughs> <laughs> because I kept looking at the baby. I was like, why does this baby look like Vin Diesel? Are they using like weird CGI? <laughs> and that's exactly what happened. Um, oh, yes. 
But nowhere in the movie was it more apparent than when they go to execute Elena and when they first have him walk up and he's like looking at the glass and it's obvious. Like He's like, where is everybody? And then he goes up and then uh, like Cypher walks out of the darkness <laughs> so where you can like <laughs> see her, which is a cool scene. It uh, is a cool scene. Very setting her, her up as like the, the evil person. But she's holding the baby and while the camera's panned out to her like you can see the back of Vin Diesel the glass the little hallway beside it and then Elena uh, or not Elena but Cypher holding the baby it literally looks like she's just holding like a lifeless baby doll that's dead waiting <laughs> and I was cracking up so hard because I kept imagining that she was just shh to a little baby doll <laughs> did the baby not stand out to you as being like obviously CGI often it sh- it stood out a couple times, but not nearly. I think I noticed it maybe once where I was like, oh, that looks off. There's one scene whenever <clears throat> Shaw has it on the plane, and yeah. he like goes to check up on it. He's like, how's the music or whatever? And the baby is like... It, it, it doesn't it doesn't move, and its mouth is a game. <laughs> yeah. I, I, that, that one was like, this is... W- I was one of those where I'm like, I don't have kids, but that seems broken. <laughs> <laughs> hey, bro, I think your baby's dysfunction. <laughs> like, you should probably turn it off and turn it back on. <laughs> hey, bro, call up the store because I think you got to get a new one. <laughs> yeah, it's just super weird. One last thing I wanted to say about New York because it just blew my mind and I kind of loved it. Um, have you played Midnight Club Los Angeles? I have, but I can't say i remember too much about it okay well the one thing you should remember is that you could hold either the right or the left trigger and then flick the analog stick and you would go up riding on two wheels and you could use it to weave through traffic and whatnot and there's a scene in this where letty does that exact fucking thing she's turning a corner and it just turns up sideways and then she's just kind of riding for a while i was like this movie the one person that they do try to show because they hint one thing i like about this they hint that brian is like the next closest thing to dom yeah but they can't use them so then the next closest thing to dom is letty is letty yeah yeah i'm sure we'll get to the brian stuff i have some thoughts oh yeah you want to save it for the uh for the baby sure (laughs) at the end that is where my biggest problem with it is i had a feeling okay so from there we go and find them at a military separatist base in Russia where they're working the plan together. We're seeing everything come together. The EMP was to knock that down so they can get past security and disable the nuclear submarine that they had, um, which it's news to me. I didn't know that nukes were kept in submarines. Yep. I don't know if they actually are or if that was just for the sake of the movie, but it Some was are. interesting for sure. Um, but... That's where all that starts. And this is also kind of in the heat of all this moment. This is where we see little nobody kind of become his own full-blown nobody. And all bets are off, and you can just do whatever you want to. Choose all the cars you want. So we get to see the Ripsaw tank come into play that was originally off. Uh, The Murcielago that (laughs) Roman wanted is Mm -hmm. coming into play. And we kind of see them go on through and uh, still be a formidable team, right? Because there's, there's that little line from Mr. Nobody where he's like, uh, rule number two, you're, ne- you're never out of options. Like, you're, you're never stuck. You're never, you've always got some way out. Um, I kind of like that because it does show that while Dom is clearly spanking their ass, <laughs> they're still probably the best team on the planet. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, definitely. It's just with Dom, they're really the best team on the planet. Yeah. I mean, every once in a while, the best team in the sport loses. That's just what happens. That's true. Definitely when you're going against, I don't know enough baseball or football or anything, so I'm actually going to back up and not say anything. (laughs) This is the guy, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You're good, but this is the guy. uh, One of the things I loved about the cars that were all chose is I loved that Hobbs got into like what looked like a big dodge ram snowplow on like tank wheels yeah the tracks yeah it was very odd but it was cool (laughs) i liked it it was very hobbs yeah exactly what was interesting is you know we were talking about the thing where my wife in five said that she thought his acting was bad at the beginning and you know we kind of talked about like i wonder if she still thinks that way i got my answer because last night probably three quarters of the way through the movie she said you know now that you've got me watching these movies and kind of paying attention to them, it's really made me respect The Rock as an actor. Really? And I said, huh. I said, interesting after you said that. And I, and I kind of brought up what we had kind of theorized. I was like, do you think it's because you kind of realize that it's not him acting poorly? It's him acting exactly as his character's supposed to? And she's like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he, he has the best lines I've ever heard in some of these movies, man. I want to tell you, I like The Rock, but I've liked him much more because of these as well. Absolutely. His delivery is incredible. I don't remember the full line, but he has that one where he just ends with, this some bitch. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, this is perfect. Yeah, I can't remember it either, but he's like that crumpet eating some you know, Yes, <laughs> that crumpet eating some bitch. Yeah, or it might have been biscuit or something, because, you know, they call cookies biscuits and stuff like yeah. that. So, but, I mean, definitely yeah <laughs> it, it it's weird too because it feels so dry and like you're saying it for a movie script but you've made me believe that this man talks this way yeah oh yeah <laughs> so it works like anything he says in this movie i believe that's the thing yeah exactly um so we see everything come together we saw him out we see that the we knock out with the emp's first blast the thing to get in then we get the car directly under the uh submarine pops off the second emp which lets her reboot the uh, submarine so that they can kind of take it and take it out into open water so that they're essentially just walking around or driving around or subbing around <laughs> that sounds like that sounds like someone who just goes around liking to get subbed yeah dom me, <laughs> dom me daddy <laughs> wait dom a minute dom. dom is in this movie under a sub i think there's something oh. wrong here are we suggesting that uh, Dom is a sub? And in, the, in, the, in, a, a in this situation, matrix. the sub is the Dom? <clears throat> yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Reverse those roles a little bit. Um, but yeah, that lets uh, us start to the whole thing of where we get to kind of see Tej do his thing. And um, oh, I'm uh, actually forgetting her name right now. Ramsey, uh, do her thing where they're trying to stop everything that's going on. And we get to see some of those classic roman moments of being in there and just having zero clue what's going on and he's the great comedy relief in this super tense situation about a nuclear warhead coming <laughs> and he's just like, like i see roxy <laughs> so i gotta ask do you think roman is still a well-used comedic relief 
I do, yes. I think he's a little too heavily used in this movie, though. Yeah, I don't know. I've really started to not like Roman between this movie and the last one. Well, there's this weird thing that goes on where <clears throat> he's being flanderized. Yeah. And he's, I he's still like him, but the writers are not giving him enough moments. Every moment where he does anything that should be cool is normally undermined almost immediately. Um, yeah. Like, you know, this movie does give him a moment, right? He keeps talking about... Uh, the, the movie keeps kind of laying the joke on that he is the worst of the crew and all this stuff when that's not the initial way he was brought in. Like, you know, he's goofy, but he's he's talented. That's the whole point yeah. he's supposed to be in here. And even like we said, being number 11 in a team like that is still not a bad thing. But he it doesn't feel like he can do anything until one scene in particular in this movie during this right here when they are going away and following the sub or not following the sub actually they're trying to beat the sub to the dam so they can close it into the bay and we see his car start to go off and slide and then tess tries saving him with the hook doesn't work so tess has to pull him off with the door and all that stuff happens and then finally we see him actually do something cool where he picks the door up holds it as like a shield and it's like his captain america moment right he he, <laughs> yeah. he flips it up smacks the one dude throws it into the other and it all works out and then he actually gives you that moment of like who's number 11 now bitch or whatever you know <laughs> number 11 my ass yeah number 11 my ass and that, that's the moments that they need to give him more of because it makes him feel like a real part of the team yeah, the I don't know. last he, few movies have have used him far too often as just comedic relief, and he comes off as an idiot. Yeah, he does, and it's just not funny sometimes. I guess that's part of it for me. I just don't think he's funny every time. I but agree he does that. have some stuff in this movie that is just genuinely hilarious, like when he was making fun of a uh, little nobody for doing his tie. I thought that was awesome, and was that like, feels like that feels like classic. Yeah roman yeah exactly some of the things in here don't like they come back with this idea right of it's weird because one of the things we talked about with fast uh, or furious seven is that his one real moment in that movie is the fact that his plan ends up working even though it's used as a joke yeah but then they turn that joke into a real thing of like yeah you know he was kind of joking but because of what he chose to do everything worked out and this movie you have less of those you really only get that one and it's not as big it's not as big of a victory for him but the more they start to do that and it it makes me you know there's so many characters that do this where they get so turned into comedic relief that by the end you're like this character wasn't like this all the time you know it's it's weird looking back at too fast and seeing roman who is clearly still a smart mouth but he feels so much more capable and like a real not a threat but like a real contender in everything that's going on and he i don't know it's like he's just he's just sad but he's just sexist and dumb in this movie <laughs> like that's his role um so I, I get i agree with you i mean i get where you're coming from i still like him but i have a feeling that by the time next movie rolls around if they don't give him any kind of redemption then I'm probably going to be right where you are, where it's going to start being too often too much. Um, with Brian being gone, how do you think they should have handled Roman? Because, you know, the whole reason Roman's there is because of Brian. I, I, I don't have... I don't really think they should have changed anything about Roman, except that they should have used him less as comedic relief, because he wasn't comedic relief. He was comedic too much. 
you know so it it, it was one of those where it's just like okay i'm rolling my eyes again well yeah because well because it's <clears> not okay before he was always comedic relief alongside being a normal character and with each movie he's becoming more just the comedic relief did you ever see the prince of persia movie with jake gyllenhaal no uh yes i did okay because who knows if you'll remember this there's like a sultan dude or something that's in the movie who's kind of chubby and he's the comedic relief but that's literally all he is uh-huh. and he's like, he's used too often in the movie and that's exactly what roman starts to feel like do i still exactly. like it yeah because you it's like right now i think of the movie where's and it's not completely missing because you get some of the comedic relief from like Hobbes in a way that feels more like Hobbes is still <laughs> worth something. But where, and when you look at this, where does comedic relief come from if Roman was just, let's say he wasn't in the movie, which clearly wouldn't have happened, but you know, where, where, where would you think that you would leverage, which characters would you leverage for uh, comedic relief? Uh, probably Tej and Ramsey. Okay. I just think they. Because I think they do the comedic relief, but I think when they do it, it's used more sparingly, so it works better. Sure, and it's more... I think for them, it's a little less comedic relief so much as it's just like lighthearted moments. Whereas a lot of the times for Roman, it's specifically like a dumb joke or one-liner or something he's trying to get off. And it just... The interesting thing, too, is that a lot of the times it falls flat with the group. Yeah, and then exactly. it also can fall flat with the audience. So then it's like, well, it just fell flat with literally everyone. Yeah, exactly. Which can be funny uh, can. once or twice. <clears throat> it can, because it, then it's more of like the awkward, like, oh god, that didn't work. But you know, it kind of reminds me about the speech from the last movie, where it's just like, God, this is going on so long. Why are they even choosing to do this? Why are they spending fifteen minutes on this? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I got you. Uh, yeah. So going through all that. Uh, Dom's plan comes into play where apparently what he gave to the mother who turned out to be Deckard's mom and Owen's mom was a tracking device which I am going to say how he gave a tracking device that Cypher was completely aware of, unaware of and never found or saw tracking them where did he get it? I have a, a bunch of questions in regards to that yeah me too I don't really understand what that was it just looked like an oversized Apple watch exactly and it's being treated um, as one because like it's <clears throat> that's exactly what he uses to like give the baby its music yeah exactly i don't know i didn't really get it but it was fine it worked for what it was yeah sure um so anyway going through all that we see the plan kind of keep going so the guys get on the plane and go to rescue the baby once the baby's secure and he knows that then he can start to betray cypher because he knows that there's no danger involved with it and then he can finally rejoin the team and he can have his family doesn't abandon family moment that he gave to Vince in Fast Five. And here we are. Now the movies have come full circle for eight. And that's essentially where we are. I mean, you know, we have the moment where Cypher escapes from the plane, yep. which I feel is important because I'm my assumption is, is that means Cypher is going to come back in some kind of a big way. But I'm curious because originally, and I'm curious your thoughts on this too. Originally, okay. my thought process was that they never would completely kill off enemies like are the bad guys. Because like, okay, bad guy for the first movie is Dom. Well, Dom joins the group. 
So, okay, yes. fine. That's a big part of the movie. But then two, Carterone goes away. All right. Four, Braga goes away. All right. Five, they kill Rojas. So I was like, ah, or Rojas, whatever his name is. And so as far as we can tell, he's unequivocally dead. Um, and then six came and started to shake that. Cause I'm like, Oh, Owen doesn't die. So maybe he can come back. And then the next movie happens. I'm like, well, he's in prison, but he could get out. But that little knowledge of knowing that Hobbs and saw exists. And I'm pretty sure it's a buddy movie made me think, well, that means Shaw probably ends up joining their side. And so yep. now as this movie comes through, my thought process that they were going to be kind of planning a, all of the bad guys coming together against the group. And it was going to be that with every victory they had, they were building basically an opposing group. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where like the top dog is moves into this group. And now it's no longer a group with a top dog and a bunch of pretty good guys. It's all top people who are together with a common goal in mind. But now that seems unlikely. I feel like both of the Shaw brothers have zero reason to come after the guys. They're free. Yep, I agree. So their reason for anything is gone. If they wanted their revenge, they could have already had it. So do you see there being a chance that we do get something like Carter Verone and Braga and Cypher coming back? Or do you think that the movie will continue? Like, Kind of looking at Nine, do you think that the plan is going to be to continue to introduce new villains or do you think at some point they're going to try and pay off of old villains partnering together or do you think it's going to be too cliche to do the latter i think they'll introduce a new villain because i think they'll want to bring them all together for the last movie oh so you think that'll be Um, fast 11 as it currently seems yeah you know the jurassic and the furious and then all of the bad guys have dinosaurs that's the crossover i figured it out Finally, all the bad guys of the Fast and the Furious movies were at the auction at the end of Jurassic World, except they got away with their dinosaurs. <laughs> there you go. I was going to have it. I was going to have it end up being some stuff where it's like Cypher hacks some chips that they have inside of the dinosaurs. <laughs> Which I, That would be actually even funnier because of how dumb it would be. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, the dinosaurs also have zero day chips. Take them. <laughs> oh god <laughs> then you just see yeah. dinosaurs running together like auto driven cars <laughs> oh so stupid oh man um so we get to the actual end where mr nobody and uh little nobody now big nobody i suppose visit dom and also come and bring hobbs his thing and let him try and get his job back Hobbs declines, wants to spend time with his daughter, but I think it's also showing that Hobbs wants to be part of the family without being legally tied and bound to anything. Yeah, I would agree. And then we also get to see Dom's baby come back with Shaw. We get that little moment where Deckard kind of gives his like, oh, <coughs> him and him and Dom respect each other now. And then Dom gets to show his baby, who doesn't have a first name, which I don't think is legal, legally possible. Um, yeah, it is. To not have a first name? Yeah, you don't have to name your kid at the in the hospital. Okay, this dude, this kid is like two years old at least, like a, one one and a half. Yeah, but you don't have to name your kid. How long hospital. do you legally have to go before you just have to have a name? 
I don't know. I just know that you don't have to name them. At she the just hospital. went off the grid. She's like, oh, well, no, I'm not going to name him. <laughs> but I don't. I don't think the kid is as old as you think he is because Letty comes back full time in the last movie, right? So that's probably like a year. The kid's probably only a year old, and then she was taken pretty quick, if I if I recall, because he didn't have a chance to tell, or uh, Elena didn't have a chance to tell Dom. Which was so weird, I don't though. think it's as long as you think as you, it the uh, movie might make you think. Well, I don't know. It's a pretty big baby as part of it too. I'm gonna say he's at least around a year. Right. So, but even then, so there's going to be some kind of movery like movie stuff happening here where it's just doing that. Uh, apparently, you have 24 to 48 hours to name your baby before discharge. Hmm. Is what it looks like here. So, if anybody else is a lawyer who listens to this, uh, let me know. Yeah, she was also in fu- in fucking like Brazil or some shit. So <laughs> <laughs> they just didn't. There was no laws in Brazil. <laughs> yeah, you never know. <laughs> it's possible wherever the hell she was. I mean, but I don't know because we saw her in the last movie, and there was time between when <coughs> they get Letty back and then when Shaw comes. Not just necessarily a ton, but enough. And then there's time between that and this movie. So it's just really hard to figure that out. Um, and Elena didn't look pregnant at all in the last movie. So there's there's so many things that come together. It could have also just been that, you know, um, Cypher took Elena and just through that, through happenstance, realized she was pregnant, you know? I don't think so, because I don't think that Elena would have been as useful against Dom as a kid. I think... I agree, but I think Dom would have still got, done what he probably, did for her. Probably, you know. Like when I first saw Elena, I was like, "Oh, this is the reason why." Did he? He didn't want to let his side piece go, and then they saw <laughs> the baby. I'm like, "Oh, okay, gotcha." <laughs> now I'm picking up what you're putting down. Um, <laughs> so clearly, you said you have issues with the baby. Uh, I'm going to yeah. let you go because I have issues with the idea of babies and how they work with these characters and how the movies get to go on with them, but. You have guess, issues with the baby, so okay. I guess I don't know. I just think it's weird they named him after Brian. That's my issue with it. I don't. I don't think in universe it makes much sense because Brian is still technically alive. So it feels weird to name a baby after someone who's not even like past or anything. Yeah, unless it was like like I might name one of my kids after my parents, but like that's a different thing I think than like your friend who's still alive, your brother. Yeah, you know, I don't um, know. I wouldn't name one of my kids after my brother. It definitely felt like what we were talking about with the last movie, where the ending that totally felt like it was for the fans and not necessarily for the characters. Yeah, because like it's implying to us, the fans, like, oh look, this is this cool thing that we found a way to write in to where the characters don't realize they're doing it as a honor to uh, Paul Walker, but the people who are watching realize it's for right. that. To me, I think it would have made more sense to name the kid Paul. <laughs> Ah, uh, as kind of an well, see, but you knew it was going to have to come into the family some way, right? What do you, What do you mean? Like it, with these movies being the way they are, and about family and all this stuff, the kid was always going to be named after one of the group members. I don't agree. I don't necessarily agree with that at all. I think the way these movies present, that's exactly. I mean, even the way that she's like, "I'm going to let you name the kid." I felt like that's what was you know going to be going along this whole time. Yeah, I don't know. I just i I think the kid was always going to na- be named Brian. 
I just don't think that made sense because Brian's still alive. I think if you'd named, I think like, weird. okay, the, the kid's name is Paul, then you're honoring Paul, but it's more like the audience knows, but it's just a name. Yeah. You know? I get what you're coming. I get where you're coming <clears throat> from. I just don't think it plays into the movie for me where I really expected it to name after someone. I figured Brian, but I kind of hope but, not since he didn't play a real so part it, in this. It's just like, who would you name? You're going to name it like Roman. You know, it doesn't. No, I, I get you. But that's why I always thought it would. I mean, that's why I thought Brian. And I was like, well, it's going to have to be somebody in here. Brian's the most reasonable choice. Or the thing I thought, which I don't know if we've ever heard his name, is I thought he might name it after his own dad. Yeah, that would have been good, too. That's kind of what I thought. And I couldn't remember if they've ever given his dad's name. So I was like, if they do that, unless he, they add a, a line of dialogue, it's like, I'm going to name a match of my dad, blank. And then it would kind of work that way. See, there you go, though. They never gave his dad a name. I'm going to name the kid after my dad. My dad's name was Paul or Paulie because he's Italian, right? Like, easy. Sure. Easy money, Poppy. There it is. And you kind of do both in one? Exactly, because you, it makes sense in the, in the movie and then the audience is like, ah, I get it. Paul Walker passed away, so you named him after him. It makes sense. Yeah. I just think Brian is weird. Well, to the credit of the movie series as we've seen so far, if you remember... Vince's kid was named after Dom, despite Dom being very much alive. Weird. I, I mean, I, you could say it's weird, <laughs> and that's fair, but there's at least precedent set within this film series for it already. Yeah. Well, but didn't he think Dom was dead? Isn't that a whole thing, or am I just making stuff up? No, he did not think Dom was dead. Yeah, I'm making excuses. Whatever. <laughs> it's established. It's weird in both senses. It is. But I guess it's just also like I wouldn't do that, you know? Yeah, so it you feels... You wouldn't see like... Yeah, like, oh, he, like, my brother's name is Josh, right? And I would never name my kid Josh and be like, here's Uncle Josh. You well, know, I just don't, I don't get it. Well, you know, if I'm being honest, it's I agree with you, but I see enough other people do it that I'm just like, I understand that it's a thing, whether or not I would do it. It's kind of yeah. like when people name them their kids after them. I find that yeah. super weird. I see, I find that less weird, but I get uh, but explain to me how it's more okay because look it's the same thing you're naming your kid after someone who's alive you it's legacy that's all it is there's okay know. then it could be the same thing he's naming his kid Brian despite Brian Brian being alive because of legacy but it uh, and his reverence I, for Brian I don't I don't think naming a kid after yourself which is usually done with a name that is passed on. Can I so give you a BS reason that I'm coming up with that I think works within the realms of the movie? Sure. There's this scene where Cypher talks about the old Dom. Yeah. And Dom is like, you know, how, you know, here's the Dom that's always talking about family. I think that there's subtext there where in a way the movie is telling you that the reason that Dom is the way he is is because of Brian and Brian's actions kind of bringing him to this point of where he realized that family was better than not. And so naming your kid who is your new family member and looking at this thing of where you were asked to be your old version of yourself and go against everything you currently believe, you have a <coughs> newfound like appreciation for what that character gave you, you know, or what that person, Brian in this case, gave to him, that he wanted to name his son that in memory of the fact that he is a different person now than he was. Sure. Have I, con I, have I convinced it, you at all? No. <laughs> I still think it's dumb, but sure. I, I, it's just me. I mean, it's not, we don't really have to keep going on. I just don't like... I personally would only name my kids after my parents, and I certainly wouldn't name them 
you know, I guess it's weird because my best friend's name is Chris, so it doesn't work. But I would never name my kid after him, you know, as I don't think you'd name his kid after me. It's the same thing. I just I find that weird. If yeah. Brian had passed in the universe, I'd be like, okay, this makes sense. He didn't. He's alive. He's a phone call away. Yeah. But uh, that's just the reality of how people feel about naming. Just like somebody can be completely okay with naming their kid Adolf right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Elon Musk has a freaking uh, command line as his children's name. So. Yeah, I don't even remember what it is. But I do remember it's out there. <laughs> I feel like they named him something ridiculous, but they're just calling him Xavier or some shit like that. <laughs> Why'd you even do this to him? Oh, yeah, because he's going to be so rich, doesn't even have to go to school. He's not going to get made fun of. <laughs> <laughs> and even if someone does mean like, oh, that's the kid with a bunch of money, if we get in tight with him. <laughs> right. We could be riding like Lambo-style Teslas in like a couple of years, bro. <laughs> What's up, beep boop zorp? Let's be friends. So I have a bigger question about this. If we're to, sure. if we're to believe that Brian leaving this life behind was because of him having a kid and realizing that that's what was best for the kid and family... And again, we know that that's because they had to do that because Brian is, cannot be played in the movies because Paul Walker's dead. But now that you've set that up as what these characters believe, Hobbs having a kid makes sense because he's doing it in a legal sense. It's still dangerous, but it's different than being like essentially a vigilante. In this thing, I have a hard time believing that Dom, who told Brian that he needed to leave this life alone because of his family, would not do the same himself. Do you agree or disagree? I agree. So well, how do you have Dom in Fast 9? Unless you're doing the obvious thing of like, right, if, if, if Paul Walker was still alive and it just walked away from the franchise, it can be, oh, if you ever want to bring him back in for whatever reason, then you'd just be able to say, ah, well, they went after uh, Brian's kid and because of the stuff that Brian had done in his past, they thought he hid well enough and he didn't, bam. So it's not like you mm -hmm. can't pull them back. But by the end of the movie, it still doesn't seem like Vin Diesel has, has any interest in pulling away from that lifestyle. Well, <clears throat> I think the difference is that Letty doesn't want to either. Mia wanted to leave the life. I think that's all the excuse they really need, you know? Well, the weird thing about that, too, though, is like, I agree with you in the sense that Letty gave that spiel at the beginning of 4 when we see her in the Dominican Republic, but a lot has changed since then. And the fact that she's talking about a family now when she wasn't back then might mean that she's in a different headspace to where she'd be willing to go. I, so I agree with you in the sense that the movies that, or the series as a whole is kind of lightly touched on it. But people change and grow uh, because Brian also didn't want to stay behind, but clearly ended up doing it because they <laughs> had to write themselves into that corner. Um, but yeah, I, just, I find it to be really interesting. I, just, I thought it was weird that there were kids coming around and they're talking about them like, yeah, but we know that Vin Diesel's in at least the next two Fast 10 and Fast 11 movies before he's exiting. I don't know. Yeah. It's definitely... That's definitely true. I just think that they can make an abundance of excuses for it. And that's just the thing, is they just made excuses with Brian because of circumstance. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's kind of like we talked about earlier with, 
you everything is writing an excuse for the story you want to tell so you want to tell a story where dom betrays his family which seems like something he would never do as we've come to know him as a person oh well how do you do it now we get to make up our reason oh well elena and him were banging so it's not out of the world they would have kids so if a girl took his kid then bam fate of the eight (laughs) 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 so I guess one question I have for you, because uh, maybe the way I led the conversation didn't quite give you your opportunities. Okay. What is it you found so fun and interesting about this movie before we actually get into, because I, I want to hear you kind of either like glow about the movie or kind of say what you got to say and be done, just so I get a feel before you actually rate and rank it. Uh, what did you find to be so fun about this movie? Was it just like the superhero aspects or is there specific the, things you key in on? It's the superhero aspects. Every time Hobbs spoke, it's, it was funny. Um, I don't think there's a scene in this movie that isn't entertaining in some way. Okay. Um, and I think it has some of the better action in the series. Like that, <clears throat> the sub chase, I thought was so incredible to watch. Oh, yeah. Though, weirdly, there was a lot of bad <clears throat> CG in this movie. Which I didn't notice it. I'm gonna be honest. Interesting. Maybe I just have this weird eye that makes me notice it. But 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 without me saying a word, my wife said it. Really? Yeah. I. But it was things that I understand why you got to use them. Like you know, having all these cars doing a bunch of things. You're clearly not gonna do this with real cars. CG makes the most sense. Um, Of course. And there's some. I mean, that's one of the big scenes. The CGI baby clearly is a big thing for me. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And there was a lot of scenes where I could just tell when it was shifting between real and CG. And it was only weird to me because at this point, this series is huge. And this movie alone made $1.236 billion. So $1.2 billion. You don't think you could have budgeted out. <laughs> but, I mean, this, this is kind of like the, the Black Panther situation, right? Black Panther made great money. For some, for whatever reason, the ending fight scene, to, <laughs> Black Panther looks like dog trash. Garbaggio. Yeah, so it's, it's interesting. Uh, one thing that we didn't touch on, though, also is I know we've kind of joked, and I do like Vin Diesel as an actor, but I, there's been a few times where I felt like maybe they wrote him in such, which is interesting. I say they. He's a big part of how his character's written, so he knew where this was going. He wrote him. He agreed to be written this way, basically, as a producer. But I actually feel like this movie showed more nuance and range from Dom as a character, therefore giving that ability to see more nuance and range from Vin Diesel as he portrays him than I would have expected. And I think he handled it with more grace than I expected from some of the things that we've said about previous movies. I can be, I can, I can get with you on that one. I agree. But I also think it's because a lot of it has to do with anger, right? Like, you know, we laughed about, like, the Fast Five scene where he, like, just jumps out the window and, like, just starts fucking fist-fighting Hobbs. But I believed it in that moment that he was pissed. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's absolutely. funny to talk about the way that it handled and that it basically looked like, you know, the two of them just being Godzilla versus Kong. But <laughs> in the long run... I believe that moment and you know a lot of the moments here come from like the extreme sadness to like the extreme anger that comes from that feeling so like one of the scenes I really genuinely liked from like an emotional resonance is on the plane whenever he's sitting there and Cypher's in there with Rhodes holding the baby and he's like begging her not to do this thing and she's like I don't want you to beg. I want you to do what you're told. And then he just smacks the shit out of the glass and he's like, how, how do I do what I'm told? Like, I, you know, I did exactly what you wanted. 
And I mean, I was surprised that the scene actually kind of hit me. Yeah, I agree. That was probably his best performance in the whole series, in my opinion. Yeah, and then I, I actually kind of got a slight emotional like hit from like the shots, like the implied shots at Elena. You know, we didn't see it, but it kind of hit me. And I was yeah. like, man, this is this is heavy. And then that follow up scene where he's sitting on the couch and he kind of just looks like the world's dead to him in a different way. Like he has not a resolve. He just has this look that yeah. we see him have from like the beginning of the movie when he realizes he's, he's, he's being strong armed, but it's a different type of that look where it's like, he realized what the potential was. <clears throat> and now he sees what the, like that she's, there's no joke behind it, but it was just really interesting. Like everything that he was saying to her, the way he talked and delivered those lines and like a almost kind of dead to the world way. I was really surprised. I got to give Vin Diesel his shout outs here. My man acted he, he acted yeah. above what I've seen him do in this series. He killed it. Thus this, far. Like I said, this was my favorite performance of his. Yeah, I agree. And it wasn't even just that scene. I think across the board, he's got a a really solid performance across this entire movie. Absolutely. You go, Vin Diesel. Congratulations, my friend. You've done well. Sorry we made fun of you in the last. But hey, you allowed them to write your character that way. So you knew what you were getting into. It's true. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess that wraps up the movie. Then, you have anything else you wanted to talk about in regards to it that we didn't end up covering? Um, no, I'm pretty satisfied with my with our conversation. Okay, and that brings us to rating the movie and then ranking the movie. So, where are you at? Um, I gave it four and a half stars. Okay. Um, I really liked it. Do you want me to? Uh, give my ranking now. Sure, you go ahead. Okay. Um, actually, why don't you review it so I can pull it up so I can make sure I'm right. Oh, okay. Well, you're eight movies deep now. It's kind of hard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I want to make sure I remember the order. <laughs> I, I also gave it a four and a half. So it's interesting that you okay. said that. I did really like it, but I still am in this thing where I am ranking the movies as much as I think on their own as I can, but then without doubt you have to rate them in context of the other movies i feel like so that four and a half partially comes because i don't feel like it touches the brilliance of five in my opinion so i think five is the only film in the series i've given a five yes it is yeah so interesting that fast five <laughs> would <laughs> would be the one i give five out of five but uh yeah so do you have your ranking ready yeah, I've been staring at it, and I think it's changed significantly. I will say that. Interesting. So it is now five, eight, three, seven, one, two, six, four. Interesting. That is my new Fast and the Furious ranking. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't really have a good explanation. I think I would just. I think I was just very hyped on the one scene I really like in seven. So, so it just like, it, it carried the whole movie for you. Yeah, exactly. But like looking back, Seven's not as good as I felt it was right then. See, that's I, again, like I said last week, the way you talked versus that. The only time that you seemed like Seven would be your number one was when you were talking about your favorite scene. It's like because yeah, oh. it's just such a good scene. I want to watch it again. There's <laughs> <laughs> three fucking skyscrapers. That's <laughs> <It's> so stupid. <laughs> oh my god yeah i mean 
Hey, this I'd say this series... I'd say pump the brakes, but we clearly know the brakes don't fucking work. <laughs> the brakes are gone; they don't exist. Uh, all right, it's interesting that mine and yours are so close to begin with. <laughs> yeah, my current ranking, and we'll see where nine works in, is five, eight, three, one, seven, six, two, four. Wow, I'm surprised six is over two for you. Did that change recently? Uh, Here's the thing. Even because I just was looking at it and kind of debating. I could see two overtaking six. But I still think that six, I don't know, man. You you saying that's going to make me end up wanting to change it. Because you gave gave exactly what I needed, which was someone else going, are you sure? Yeah, because that doesn't... (laughs) Just how I remember you talking about two, like it seemed like it would be in your top three, let alone in the bottom behind one of the ones I don't think is good at all. So, and which one do you not think is good at all? Six. <laughs> Interesting. What did I give six? I think I gave it what? I think you gave it three and a half. Yeah, or three maybe. Three and a half. Yeah. All right, Chris, you strong armed me. Five eight three one seven two six four. Wow. Okay. Five eight three one seven two six four. Cool. <laughs> Yeah, to give you a couple more digits and you'll have my uh, fake social security number. <laughs> well, hey, man, maybe we'll be doing this when 11 comes out and we can have a full phone number. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right, so, so question before well, we fully end the episode. How excited are yes. you for to go into Fast 9? I'm extremely excited because that'll be my first trip back to a movie theater and I'm absolutely seeing that shit in, in IMAX. Oh, see, we don't have an IMAX around here. Um, so can't do that but I did return to the movie theater uh, about two weeks ago to watch A Quiet Place Part 2 how was that I really want to see it simply wonderful very good Uh, I'm glad and being back in the theaters was great there still wasn't that many people so it was a better movie theater experience yeah Um, I'm I'm curious because you you don't have the mask mandates as strong as we do here if I'm going to have to wear a mask for this three and a half hour fucking movie yeah we didn't have to here are we doing Hobbs and Shaw and the only reason I ask is because I was talking to my brother about it and I was like, yeah, I don't know if we're going to do it. And his exact words were, well, it's a Fast and the Furious movie. <laughs> I think that as much as I was going to just go with our initial plan of not doing it, I think the argument holds because arguably yeah, Tokyo Drift is too Fast the and same. Furious what Hobbs and Shaw is to Fast and Furious. I agree. To the degree that I'm pretty sure Hobbs and Shaw is called the Fast and Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw. It is. And Tokyo Drift was the Fast and Furious Presents Tokyo Drift. Yeah, Tokyo Drift. And that's like, for me, it was one of those things where it, you know, it gives us a little extra time to get to see the movie at our convenience so we can have a buffer. Sure. Um, So I I think we should do it. And I want to see it uh, because that movie... I don't know if you've seen the trailers. There's an actual superhero in that movie. (laughs) I've not seen the trailers, but I don't disbelieve it. So here's the thing. My wife actually said, are we going to watch Hobbs and Shaw? And I said, well, we can watch it eventually. But the thing is, is I think, I'll tell you, like me me being excited about Fast 9 is not something I would have told you when we started this series. Yeah. And that's amazing. And that's a good thing. And I'm glad. And my, this is like an inside story. My buddy, Andrew, we were talking about his favorite like comfort movies that he loves to just put on and watch. And he has a ton of them, like uh, Adam Sandler movies and stuff. And he was talking about how his wife doesn't like any of those. And so Saul and I were, we were playing Yu-Gi-Oh! We said, well, what's, like, you know, what does your wife put on? He goes, well, her favorite comfort movie is Hobbs and Shaw. And we both busted out laughing. 
And okay. now, of course, I've not watched the movie. I don't know if I'd call it a comfort <clears throat> movie, but I laughed because I was like, why would you even want to watch Hobson Shaw? And I remember when the trailers were first coming out how stupid I thought it was. Again, because I hadn't given the Fast and Furious the time of the day. So you just, I'd say this, seeing Hobbs and Shaw and seeing the way that The Rock acts as Hobbs in a trailer when you haven't had time to see him throughout a whole movie, he does come off as stupid. If you don't know the character, it does feel stupid, you know? So, but here I am now kind of wanting to watch Hobbs and Shaw myself. Yeah, I, that's part of it too, is I do really want to see Hobbs and Shaw now. Because I, as much as this is about Toretto and his family, I think Hobbs and Shaw especially after this movie like we didn't get too much into the baby scene but the baby scene is fucking hilarious wait what which wait what what do you mean what what are you wanting me about i think i misheard you i'm saying we didn't we didn't talk too much about the scene um of shaw fighting off that entire plane with the baby yeah yeah See, but that scene was hilarious and it really made me like Shaw and Hobbs is my favorite character in the franchise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm the with you. two together with a literal superhero played by Idris Elba sounds incredible. <laughs> well, and see, that's part of why I really like what's going on here in this movie is that, again, I wasn't excited to watch Hobbs and Shaw from Seven from the way that Deckard Shaw's handled in Seven. Right. Watching that just kind of made me be like, yeah, we don't need to watch Hobbs and Shaw. I didn't feel like I need to watch Hobbs and Shaw until this movie where they make Shaw a likable character. And yeah. now it's it, like, ah, here we are. This is how a Hobbs and Shaw spinoff can work because without, like it would have been really interesting to try and see a Hobbs and Shaw spinoff before this movie. I don't think it could have happened. It wouldn't have, it no. wouldn't have made sense. You wouldn't have planted that seed to let people <clears throat> be like, okay, yeah, I feel it. Yeah, and you you need. I think you needed that scene of Hobbs and Shaw not hating each other as much, to yeah. where that slow build he, towards like kind of yeah. respecting each other. Again, which is super weird because he killed Han, unless they all know that Han is not dead by this point. I'm curious if, if they clarify that because mm-hmm. a, a lot of this stuff would make a lot more sense, like especially that ending of Diesel and Shaw or, or Hob Jesus of Toretto and Shaw kind of squashing their beef would make a lot of sense if at this point like the family knows Hobbs or Han is still alive but yeah because it is it is hard to kind of do that when it's like this motherfucker killed Han yeah and he he even says that and you know in the last movie like he killed Han right and it 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 betrays the family to a degree the family sense exactly um makes him kind of a hypocrite but at the same time, it's weird because it's like that idea of like, well, you're supposed to give people second chances because I'm not the dom I was because I got given a second chance and blah, blah, blah. You can go through all these different reasons as to why you could justify it, but it does feel weird. Um, and I feel like it's something that should be handled because realistically, Shaw killed somebody just because they hurt his brother. And realistically, like you said, his brother ended up really hurting himself from a dumb plan. Yeah, exactly. So it's not really fair to to look at that and think oh yeah han's death was even remotely justified no it really wasn't nor the exploding and almost potential death of your sister your basically your best friend slash brother as you call him since you named your baby after him and the baby (laughs) that they had like none of it really works it feels like they got over that too quickly and i it's that's one of the weird things about action movies is that they do gloss over these things i don't feel like they really explained how the the Hobbs, I mean not the Hobbs. I'm sorry. The Shaw situation with Vin Diesel really works out because they should hate each other. Yeah, absolutely. 
So, you know, it, it would have been different if at the end of seven, there was like a mutual respect built between the two of them that you got to see. But that's not what happened. Yep. So we'll see. Know. I'm excited to watch Hobbs and Shaw. So, yep. All right, man. Well, thanks for joining me. We got to figure out. So, yeah, we'll do Hobbs and Shaw next. And then we'll do Fast Nine after because Fast Nine comes out, what, the 25th? Yeah. So, yeah, give us a little more time, like you said, uh, a little more time to edit and everything. And, a little more time for people to go watch it before we do the episode for them to be able to listen without having to worry about spoilers yeah go see f9 <laughs> and hobbs and shaw <laughs> i still can't say calling it f9 feels so weird i hate it oh, go see Function f11 key. and turn your brightness down um <laughs> All right, man. Uh, going to do some cleanup here. If you want to support the show on Patreon, head over to patreon.com slash nartech and give as little as a dollar per month for early access and to just support us directly, which we love. If you want to hear me and Chris this past week over on our, my weekly gaming podcast, Triangle Square, the PlayStation podcast, you can head over and find us on all podcast services as well as on Twitter at Triangle SQRD, where you can talk to me at any time you want. If you want to talk to Chris, you can head over to his Twitter, which is at figz 21 K. And lastly, if you want to follow our social media and be part of everything that we're doing, head down to the, the, the description of the podcast episode. You can get into our Discord and talk with us. You can also get into our Twitter, which is at matinee underscore midweek, or you can find us on Facebook or wherever you want. If you like the podcast, share it with friends who you think would like it. We would appreciate it. Gets us out there and gets us in front of more people, which we love. We can interact with more people, and Chris can feel like he is validated <laughs> thanks i think <laughs> i tease chris the episode you did with me on triangle squared is doing incredibly well so hell yeah there you go you get to feel there, there's your validation buddy we all need it from time to time we do You're right. <laughs> all right as a shout out at the end of all episodes we give all of our patrons a roll call more or less so without further ado we'd like to give a huge thanks to kyle grimm Josh Jarrell, Matthew Green, my name is Dan, Luke Bartolomeo, Sean Sanderud, Funk Turkey, Danny Villiobos, Corey Hickerson, Blake Popst, Kevin Baconbits, Mark Schutz, Shadowist, Stephen Salazar, The Stonard, Rich, Constantly Kenny, Solitary Red, Zachary Sawyer, Landis, Rude Days 93, Josh Drago, Bailey Robertson, Brian, Donovan Williams, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Joshua Lago, Sean One Neo, Tyler Powers, Jehudi MD, Rob Warpoint, Richard Schaefer, Hammenegger. Thank you all so much. Hello, Looker, and congratulations. You have discovered the secret message. Midweek Matinee is produced and edited by Christopher Figueroa. Music is by Joshua Lago. Thank you for your support and for enjoying all these movies with us. And lastly, please send your iTunes reviews to Old Pink, care of the Funny Farm. <laughs>